cities across the land. evening can't sleep listeners thank you so much for tuning into the podcast we love having you and in fact i happen to look at some also i'm patrick michael this is can't sleep cast this is the csc podcast and uh that's weird because it's like can't sleep cast podcast so it's like just saying podcast two times for no reason for no reason other than i enjoy it but uh yeah i checked into some of the analytics within this show basically telling me where people are listening uh, the ages of people listening, and what was the other thing? I guess that's probably all, <laughs> but yes, what has happened is I found out that a lot of younger people are enjoying this podcast, and why is that? I can't help but to wonder, and I feel like it's probably because so many young people have this inability to wind down and go to sleep. So they find themselves up late at night, and that's what this podcast is about. This is about me having that consistent trend since I can't even tell you when. I don't. I was never the kid that fell asleep first at sleepovers. I was never the kid who um, just fell asleep in random places in your house. I was just, uh, you know, I was up all night. I've been a night owl since day one. And that's what inspired this podcast because of the fact that I don't ever sleep and I am a a huge horror fan. Now, whether that in any form, really, uh, movies, books, uh, stories, uh, just cryptic tales that people like to tell you for no, no apparent reason, but they stick with you and they kind of build the foundation of your location. So wherever you grew up, you might hear crazy stories about so-and-so who used to live in this place and did weird things but nonetheless I only brought up the ages and the demographic type of situation within the podcast because out of all the podcasting that I do this is the one show where I I have a really young audience between 18 and 22 so if you're one of these young people that are listening to this podcast you are not alone because it's it's the largest percentage of of an age group I have. So there's you know, that's good. I don't I don't really have anything else to say about it other than that's good. But anyways, uh keep it up guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to share on social media, tell your friends, whatever you got to do to help promote the content. Because I do a lot of self-promotion and it is strenuous. Lots of work. This is uh, you know, you're running your own show at this point. And it's not as easy as Tom Green makes it seem. Now, of course, if there's uh, that young of a, a group that is listening to this podcast, you don't know Tom Green, and it's fine. He sounds the name alone sounds like he might be a news anchor for CNN or some shit. 
and sending it back to the studio to Tom Green. Tom? Uh, but yeah, today's uh, episode, we're going back into the cursed films. We're going to be looking back at these films that have uh, a creepy history and strange events surrounding the making of the film. And as I said before, it is a part of the Shudder.tv or Shudder.com. I don't know if it's Shudder.tv. It looks like Shudder.com. Uh, through Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, there is a original series called Cursed Films. And it's simply a series that goes through five or six different films that have some really weird things that happen during the making of the film, after the film, before the film. And it's it's to all of the staff. Anybody who worked on the film had had some sort of a connection with some ominous things going on. And today's episode of Cursed Films, we're going to be looking at um, the 1982 film Poltergeist, okay? And for any of us that know anything about films at all, we know how, how dark the, the background of Poltergeist is. Uh, the capturing of a real-life ghost uh, on camera, the fact that the little girl who's in the movie passes away. There, it's very ominous, but those are the main things we've all heard about. But how deep does it go? How much deeper does it go? Because I feel like that's not the end. So we're going to dive into this and we're going to come back to you guys discussing this whole thing. Just like we did with The Omen. And if you haven't checked that episode out yet, please do. And uh, let's dive into this. Poltergeist. Okay, so as I priorly mentioned, Poltergeist, the original Poltergeist came out in 1982. So June 4th, 1982, the horror film known as Poltergeist was released, and it's only rated PG. And that's got to be pretty weird. I mean, even for those times, in the 1980s, this is a PG film? I suppose not much really takes place other than the TV in the film, and in a lot of films is the the bad guy. The TV's the the one that's hurting people in a sense. I mean, look at The Grudge. If it wasn't for that damn TV, how would... What's her name? Sarah? I don't know her name. You get it. Uh, but the writers are Steven Spielberg and Michael Grace. It's directed by Toby Hooper. So this is a film that Steven Spielberg actually just wrote the screenplay for and didn't direct it. Pretty interesting because I don't know how many people would know that. And the stars are just as good in the original version as the new versions. And Craig T. Nelson stars as Steve Freeling. Joe Beth Williams as Diane Freeling. Uh, Oliver Robbins as Robbie Feeling. And Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann Feeling. Of course, a family and a household. Things going awry. But, um... The, the, the literal synopsis of this is one sentence. A family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. Like, I wouldn't use host and ghost in the same sentence, but hey, to each their own. Uh, it is a, like I said, a PG-rated film, so you gotta wonder. It's got 7.3 out of 10 stars on IMDb, but what were the stipulations back then? Because I recall when it came to Alfred Hitchcock putting out his film that we all know of called Psycho. 
the shower scene, uh, not Psycho, excuse me, there was another film, I don't know if it was this film, but one of these films, he wanted to show a toilet for some reason, and that wasn't allowed to go through. And his films aren't PG, so, right? Like, that's weird. But Poltergeist somehow comes out as PG. I had no idea. And I don't know if you guys did either, but let's go ahead and uh, talk about this cursed film series from Shudder. And you guys got to get the Shudder. If you're listening to this and you don't have Shudder, what are you doing? What you doing? It's, I mean, you're a horror fan, obviously. You might as well dive, dip your toes into the best horror app out there. Okay, so it was kind of my mistake, guys. After I watched this, I realized that they are going to talk about the other two Poltergeist films. So let me tell you what they were very quickly. Uh, Poltergeist 2 is actually called Poltergeist 2 The Other Side. It came out four years later in 1986. And it simply says the Freeling family have a new house, but their troubles with supernatural forces don't seem to be over. And it does consist of the same actors from the first one Heather O'Rourke comes back Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams and it's directed by Brian Gibson who unfortunately passed away in 2004 but he's known for uh, you know several different films The Juror um, What's Love Gotta Do With It and that one's only rated 5.7 out of 10 stars, so I don't know if it's the worst one. But the crazy, the real craziness comes from the third film. It truly does. And that's because Heather O'Rourke, the little girl from the first two films that made everything way more ominous, she passed away. And she passed away before the finishing of the third film. And we're going to talk more about that here in a few seconds. Uh, this film came out in 1988. Poltergeist 3 came out in 1988. And that is all it's called. Poltergeist 3. There is no uh, colon. Um, the synopsis is simply Carol Ann is staying with her aunt in a high-rise building where supernatural forces uh, that haunt her make their return. Now, this one definitely has a different cast. Because... Outside of Heather O'Rourke, you got Tom Skerritt, Nancy Allen, and Zelda Rubenstein, as well as Laura Flynn Boyle. Pretty interesting. Uh, it's directed by Gary Sherman, who has done some other things like um, The Legacy of Poltergeist, uh, for The First 48, Missing Persons, uh, just a bunch of different things because the truth be told and we're going to talk about this more in a, in a few minutes um yeah he didn't want to proceed with any of this he it was basically as if the he just didn't want to do the third movie because he was close to uh Heather O'Rourke okay so when it comes to the cursed films documentary series it was very detailed but they didn't focus as much on the first film as I thought they were going to. Now, Gary Sherman, the guy who directed the third movie, he does make mention of the fact that when he decided to do Poltergeist 3, he already knew about the legends that came with it. Okay, he already knew that there were some ominous factors 
some curses in uh, quotations, of course. Um, so, but they still proceeded. They didn't want to. They didn't want the ending the way that it was. They wanted Heather to be the main focus again. I mean, imagine. Imagine had she lived, how famous she would be. I mean, she's still very famous now, but imagine if she was still alive, she would be getting just more, more, okay, we've all seen the Scream Queens, or at least heard of it, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, Emma Roberts, uh, the little girl from Little Miss Sunshine, I don't know how, Abigail Breslin, I don't know how she got in there, but point being is when it comes to actual Scream Queens, I would imagine Heather O'Rourke is up there. Now, because these these first two movies consist of Craig T. Nelson, I had to make the connection. I was like, what the fuck? Craig T. Nelson has the same hairline as Hulk Hogan. And I'll tell you what, it's been that way forever. Craig T. Nelson's hair has been the same since Craig T. Nelson started acting. Like, how does that happen? How luck Is that lucky for you? Is that a good thing or a bad thing to have the same hairline for decades? I also felt like uh, him and Ed O'Neill from Modern Family and uh, Married with Children. I feel like uh, Craig T. Nelson and Ed O'Neill probably competed for a lot of the same jobs. I mean, Coach, like I said, Modern Family, they're very much the same guy. So, real quick, we're going to go through all of the weird things that occurred within the first film. And proceeding to the second and third. Uh, one of the first things was the toy clown that is very famous for being in this movie and a huge part of the movie. Um, the toy clown claimed to malfunction during the choke scene. So when the brother is being attacked and dragged under the bed, the thing that goes around his neck actually malfunctions and starts to choke him for real. And yeah, I mean, sure, but also it is a machine, so you gotta wonder, I mean, whatever was happening, the malfunction could have certainly occurred, does that mean that there's a curse in the film? No. Certainly a coincidence. Uh, they also mention this fella, he actually talks a couple different times in this film, and or in the Cursed Films docuseries, and he goes by the name Matt Gorley, and when it what it says about him is he he's a podcaster. So I had to look into it. I was like, that sounds like a familiar name. And you know what? He helps produce uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast. So, you know, definitely an essential, definitely an essential person to be on a, a docu-series about horror movies. What the fuck? I mean, interesting in itself, uh, Conan's got a great podcast. I just don't know what the hell the guy has to do with uh, horror movies. I don't know. Um, another weird thing that was an alleged force that helped curse the film was there's a scene at the house that people go to. Uh, it's still standing today. Original owner actually lives there. And at the house, they, they created the scene in the backyard where Joe Beth Williams goes into a mud type of a pit. It's full of water and skeletons. And the weird thing about these skeletons is they, they said the skeletons were real. Real skeletons shipped from India. 
and because of them using these skeletons, they said that that is allegedly what cursed the film because they desecrated graves in a sense, as well as just the dead. And that's, that's where the curse originates from. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but certainly that can't be the case because that's not the first time it's happened, you guys. That's not the first time a movie used real skeletons, okay? So if these, these horror fans would know that, if they're such fans, this would not even be a topic of discussion. Nobody would be like, hey, did you know the, the poltergeist was cursed and cursed because they used real skeletons? Doesn't make sense. Uh, Vanity Fair writer, who was the father of Dominique Dunn and the father of Griffin Dunn, who was also an actor. Uh, Dominic Dunn was in the second film and she is the daughter, like I said, of Vanity Fair writer who, who was known for writing about murder trials. And so she came from a good family and she was actually the first one who died in connection to these films, okay? She was the first one who have been killed. And like I said, her dad was a very famous guy, wrote about murder trials and whatnot. Now the crazy thing about how she was killed is her ex-boyfriend strangled her, but he didn't kill her. He strangled her into a coma where she eventually died five days later because the family pulled the plug. So that's scary. That's scary. This guy was not a good dude. John Sweeney was his name. He's not a good guy. But the crazy thing is, is the judge ruled against him or against Dunn. And he should have at least got 10 years in prison for this, for killing this woman. But he only gets two and a half years in prison. Now, is there a real connection between him and the curse of the film? What does he have to do with that at all other than him killing this woman? It's just a random act that movie fans tried to connect with this film. And as years have gone on, it's, it's only gotten stronger and deeper and people are, more people are believing. But like I said, of course, Heather O'Rourke, another person that dies who's associated with these films she wasn't killed technically but we'll talk more about that in a second now poltergeist 2 featured this guy by the name of will sampson who was also a shaman and he performed an exorcism on the film and the area whatever i don't know how what, what is he just you know shaking a one of those fire stick whatever those fucking things are that people get rid of spirits with shaking it in front of a camera I don't know how that's going to help, but uh, he ended up dying two years later. So they try to make a connection with that type of thing, too. It's like, hey, man, too much time has passed for you to say that this has any relevance to the film. So one of the main characters in the film was a cult leader who was played by Julian Beck. And uh, Julian Beck ended up dying from stomach cancer, which is like, guys, I mean, how is that connected at all? That's what I have to wonder. Where's the connection? It's like, like I said, I've said this before when it's like, hey man, you look like so-and-so. It's like, dude, do I, you're only saying I look like him because he also has red hair. Other than that, we're not even similar at all. But anyways, uh, Gary Sherman, who directed uh, Poltergeist 3, like I said, he knew of the previous deaths but what made this even creepier, what made this so creepy, is he wanted to bring back the cult leader character, okay? 
So they decided to make a death mask. Alright, I know that seems weird and you've probably never even heard of the term. But what it is, is a death mask is simply a... Like they would take a mold of the person's face who is dead or dying. Now, he doesn't know for sure if they cast his face after he died. Or if... <laughs> If they did it while he was alive, because you'd hope that that was the case. You would hope he was sitting there and he's like, he, he gave consent, but we don't know. And the reason he did this is because, like I said, he wanted to bring that character back. So he needed to put prosthetics on the new actor portraying the same character. It's like, dude, you know how many times they've switched out people in films or TV shows and people barely noticed? Like, oh, this is Dave now. Well, Dave had a beard two episodes ago. What happened? This is not the same guy. Alright, I guess it's Dave. Because, you know, it's just acting. So you can't, you can't tell me that you couldn't find another bald, creepy-looking guy to play a cult leader instead of getting a death mask. So they definitely tried to use that as another reason for um, the film to be cursed because of the, of the death mask. And that makes sense. I mean, that, of all things, is creepy as shit. Um, now, it gets to a point in the Cursed Films thing where they're trying to make a connection with the possibility that maybe objects could possess the ability to transfer good or evil or actually just simply contain good or evil. Like, if you were to take Hitler's jacket and try to get somebody to put it on, chances are they won't simply because they assume all of the evil is trapped within the stitching right it is just a jacket but is this possible that's why you get superstitious people when it comes to sports they're like well these socks hold all the wins okay and one of the things that kind of goes along with this is when they they built the new yankee stadium they decided somebody decided to bury a red Sox jersey underneath and two feet underneath concrete, they eventually dig up the object. They dig up the jersey, which was David Ortiz. I mean, the best jersey to put under the stadium for sure. But also, what's your goal, man? What do you think's gonna happen? But uh, as the story, as the see, you know, as the episode continued on, you end up meeting this guy by the name of Sean Clark. Now, initially, I thought Sean Clark was just a collector of horror movie things, and I, I had no qualms with that. I get it. Fine. All right? I get it. Do what you do. I mean, I had an uncle that collected a lot of Three Stooges stuff well after they were gone, and it's the same kind of thing. Hey, I got Moe's fucking mop top. I don't even know if that's what it's called. It was an ugly haircut, let's be honest. The only thing about Sean is he's known to collect actual items from horror movie uh scenes so like yeah anybody could have a mike myers mask but you don't have the one that the guy wore in the film sean clark does um he has mike myers masks he has jason masks he has the original and only frankenstein mask but the one thing that he has that seems to freak out people more than anything is the poltergeist clown he has the actual clown. It's like, hey, guy, that's a toy. That's a toy. And I'm so sick of this fucking thing that of people being afraid of clowns. 
It's so absurd to me to think that that's even a thing still. Okay? When's the last time you watched a movie with a scary clown in it? Because once you find out that Pennywise is just some sort of sentient being from another planet who turns into like a spider thing... Yeah. Non-threatening. Not scary at all. And that's one of the most historically scary clowns. But, he, but Sean Clark said that when people come to his house and they see that doll, that's the first thing that really freaks them out. I'm like, why? Just destroy it. It's a doll. I mean, even the comedian Dan Cummins has a joke about this because he apparently owned the exact same clown because the clown that they use in the movie was just a toy, okay? It wasn't something they created for the film. It was a toy that you could buy before the Poltergeist movies ever came about. And he said that he threw the thing in the trash and little did he know his mother brought it back inside and of course that stems into that blossoms into something why is it all flower references i don't know but but anyways he it grows into this thing where you're like oh maybe it's alive because mom fucking ruined it and made it much much worse so some people this is that what i basically come down to this is my theory here I believe that some people over-obsess over on horror movie locations. For instance, they'll go to houses or buildings or parks. The Amityville Horror House, the, the Freeling House from the Poltergeist. These things exist and people will go there. Now there's a difference with the Amityville Horror House for the simple fact that that is a place where something actually horrific took place, okay? That's different. That's different. It's like, do you get the same thrill going to Dahmer's apartment or the post office where H.H. Holmes' uh, murder castle used to stand? Because going to fake horror locations is no different than being a fan of the WWE over UFC, okay? Because there is a falsitivity to the one, for sure. Is falsitivity a word? We can't be sure. Am I going to look it up right now to correct myself? Not a chance. <laughs> but there is something so false in be in believing in the one and not the other. Because if, if these people are really obsessed with horror, shouldn't it be the actual guys that create horror? I mean, you would think that people would be... I mean, of course they are. They have murder tours where you can go on the Jack the Ripper, all these different tours that you can go to and go to these places, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where people were actually killed. But is the obsession the same? Do people feel like, oh, I, I went, this is where the, the Freelings used to live. That's the actual house. It's like, hey man, you know it's a movie, right? You know that didn't really happen, right? So my whole thing is like, why are you obsessed at all? Why? I mean, I get, sure, it's fine. Let's just take a picture of the house. Cool. But to be like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe I made it. I'm here. That's where they... That's where a bunch of cameras were and actors. It almost means nothing. Okay, it certainly means nothing in comparison to real horror. Like, would you rather pay $1,000 to go see, you know, uh, what's a good one? The House on Haunted Hill? Or $1,000 to see John Wayne Gacy's basement? Okay, which one's going to be scarier? That's what I'm saying. Okay, like you get the same thrill from the WWE, but you have to accept the fact that it's not real. Okay, 
that's the comparison. Because the UFC is the real. That's nitty-gritty. That's, that's bones breaking and blood shedding. Legitimately. And that's the same exact thing with like a serial killer's location in comparison to a movie filmed location. Like nobody's obsessing over... I, I, uh, forget it. All I'm saying is it's weird. Like I've been to the same pawn shop that Emmy Rossum goes to uh, in Shameless. One of the episodes is Shameless. She goes to this pawn shop that I've actually been to. Couldn't give a fuck. Didn't matter. But uh, also, uh, Sean Clark, the guy who owns all the horror stuff, looking like a good Charlotte member. It's like, hey man, aren't you 46? He looks old as shit, but he also looks like Benji Raddick or whatever the fuck the dude's name. Now, Benji, I don't know. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. Um, a couple other things here to close it out. It is a great series. I like it. But of course, I'm going to roast. It is my job. Um, they said that Heather, Heather O'Rourke, the little girl, that she ha she was being treated for Crohn's disease. But she didn't have Crohn's disease. So that was working against her. What she actually had was an absence in her intestine that was collecting fecal matter and other toxic, toxic things. And it ended up exploding where she eventually dies from toxic shock. So had they noticed that there was this abnormity going on earlier, they wouldn't have been treating her for Crohn's disease and probably she would have been alive. So she didn't die from anything that had to do with the film at all. I mean, I don't think you can get an absence that you're born with, uh from a sneeze or whatever, right? That's weird. So had the doctors been doing done a proper job, she would still be alive today. If they would have not simply went to the first possible diagnosis. Oh, she she she's got Crohn's disease. Well, ju we'll just treat that and she's fine. She's obviously not fine, so look harder. You know? Um also, um, like I said, nobody wanted to release the third movie besides the suits at the studio. So had it not been for the people that were going to make the most money from the film, if it hadn't have been for them, there's a good chance this Poltergeist 3 would have never happened. The only disappointing thing about this entire docu-series, uh, this episode of the docu-series about Poltergeist, is there is, I don't know, six films. I mean, there's obviously remakes, and they don't mention them. They didn't talk about him at all. What about the guys who decided to come back and do those movies and have to recast Heather O'Rourke's character? It's it's absurd not to mention it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, because there's the Sam Rockwell one. I believe there's one with Lee Schreiber. I don't know. But the conclusion I, I really came to was I feel like... Well, let me say this. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein, the one lady with the real high-pitched voice, she actually did an interview. And she was the only one to do an interview who was also in the third film. And she said that the deaths of Dominic Dunn, as well as Heather O'Rourke, they didn't have anything to do with a curse on the film whatsoever. And people who obsess over horror films want so badly to believe any of these things occurred because the film itself. 
It's like, dude, do you guys not know how fucking movies work? And it's simply like this. Horror movie fans are quick to use random events to further a myth. To continue their own fears in movies. It's dumb. And I bet you there are people today that still believe the Blair Witch Project was real. Or paranormal activity was real. There's some guy out there right now fucking losing his mind. But like I said, let's just, uh, we'll finalize it with this. Uh, the skeletons were real. The makeup artists from the movie said that they're real skeletons. But it wasn't the first time that it ever happened. No way. And nobody talks about those movies being cursed because they use real skeletons. In fact, you can go down to a biological lab and rent a real skeleton. It's not uncommon. So, in the end, it had nothing to do with the film being cursed. So you have to wonder, uh, were all these deaths completely random and unexpected and have nothing to do with the fact that they were on a film? Of course. So if you're one of these horror fans out there that listen to this podcast in the hope that you're going to be like, I knew I was right, well, change the channel. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Can't Sleep Cast. I am Patrick Michael. This has been a fun episode. I, it really took me a few days to do this because I really wanted some thorough notes due to the fact that I, I had heard all of these things about these movies. I heard about them, and I wanted to uh, give you guys an interesting episode as well as some laughs. It's all in good fun. You know, believe what you want, but, you know, the internet makes everything blossom. There's another flower reference to close out the episode, so... I don't think it can get any better than that, guys. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. You know, the, the world is in a pandemic right now, and we got, we got to be careful. Support one another. And that means us. That means me. Only me, specifically me. Uh, no, of course not. Uh, but if you do want to support the show, patreon.com slash podculture. That's P-O-D-C-U-L-T-U-R-E. Link in the episode description. You can follow me on social media as well. Let's start a horror movie conversation. Conversation, not argument, not into it. I am at Glitch Fredberg on all social media, everything from YouTube to TikTok and everything in between, which is only Twitter and Instagram. But <laughs> whatever. Does it really matter? What am I even saying this for? If you guys made it this far, I'd be surprised. So, uh, good night. Something. Something, something really cool to close it out. Alright, bye.